this is an interesting Sunday because you have baby dedications. And when you have baby dedications, you invite friends and family that maybe normally wouldn't come. So if this is your first time, don't judge the church on me. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm feeling tremendous pressure. I'll be gone next week. But... <laughs> No, I say that, you know, it's, this is a great church. We spent the weekend with the leaders here. And honestly, and I say this with all, not sucking up. I say this with all truthfulness. Watching and experiencing the leaders of this church, you need to feel safe. You need to be blessed. You need to understand that these are men and women of God that are seeking his face on your behalf. They are transparent, truthful. I just love them. It's amazing. And if, if, if I lived in Bedford, which I never will, <laughs> if I did live in the UK and not sunny California, I would come to church here. <laughs> and that's the truth. First day of spring, right? Yes, we had our baby lambs up here. And what a great way to celebrate with um, dedicating these children and you know, how wonderful is that? What, other, what, what else is important today? I used to be a teacher. Kids, what else is important today? Palm Sunday. What a glorious week for the Christian nation, is it not? Um, Harry and Phil, wherever, is it Harry and Phil? Whichever one is which, because we're all wondering. But <laughs> Harry and Phil. Harriet, okay, because I'm thinking, I... I couldn't figure it out. I, I just want to say to you, wherever you are out there in the lights, if I can imagine, if I were, when I met Christ at the age of 15, I can imagine when I was 14 and desperate and lost and knew nothing, zero about Jesus Christ, if a passion play had come to my town and gone through the streets, and I would have gone and watched. And in this day and age, you know what I would have done? I would have had my phone out Googling Passion Play. And then I would have read what it was about. And then I would have pressed the highlighted blue Jesus. What's he about? And then I would have read and I would have heard and it would have made an impact on me. Do you understand what this means? You think, oh, how nice and how sweet we're having a passion play. No. People are going to come to Christ. And whatever you think of, amen. And whatever you think of the internet, guys, listen, there's a lot of garbage on the internet. But you know what? Use it for the good force, right? Use the force for good. People Google things. They look up things. And when we get it in front of them and pique their interest and stir their hearts, they're going to search. And the Bible clearly says over and over and over again, if you seek, you will find. It's a promise of God. And I believe there are going to be people in this community that it's going to pique their interest. They're going to Google. They're going to search. They're going to look. And they're going to run into Jesus. And the beautiful thing about Jesus and the beautiful thing about this time with all the kids is, listen, God is not... He is not building businesses. He is building families. Knowing Christ, the reason Christ came and paid the price and died on the cross was to give us a family, to include us into the family, to become family to us. At the age of 14, when I was lost and desperate and lonely, you know what I was longing for? Family. I want to belong. 
Everybody wants to belong. You know, people always say, well, it's just so hard to share Jesus. And I'm thinking it's not actually. Because when that truth explodes in your own life, in your own heart, it's just like, you know, I always say, it's just like Peter and John in, in Acts chapter 4. You know, when they were threatened with death, they just said, I mean, they were literally told, you, you speak about Jesus again, we're going to kill you. You know, that's just, you know, when we read it sometimes, it's just like a story. But it's not just a story, it was a reality. These were men under the threat of death. And what was their response? We can't help but speak of what we've seen and heard. What had they seen and heard at that point? They'd seen Jesus walking on water, um, healing the blind, the sick, the deaf. They'd seen him, you know, doing miraculous, feeding thousands of people with a small loaf of bread and a few fish or vice versa. You know how it goes. But you know what? All of that, they'd seen it. They'd experienced it. They'd lived it. And then they said, what am I supposed to say? That he's not real? that he doesn't save, that he's not going to make a huge impact on your life forever, that he's not going to enter you into a love and, and make all of this and everything he is available to you. Because Colossians 1, and 28 clearly says that the Lord said, listen, there used to be a secret. And one day I just decided I don't want it to be a secret. I want everybody to know the moment you receive Jesus Christ into your life, the day, the second you just say, whether you're in a church, whether you're in the toilet, whether you're wherever, and you look up and you say, Jesus, I give you my life and I receive yours. I always tell women, it's like a proposal. He's on one knee. He's proposing to you. The moment you say yes, he comes in. Done deal. Your life is going to be changed. But see, if you know that truth in your life, you know, when I was a young Christian and I just got saved, people tried to talk me out of it. And I wavered because I wasn't sure yet. Is God good? Is he not good? Is he real? Is he not real? I'm trying to figure this all out. I want to believe. Lord, help my unbelief. But you know what, guys? It's been, uh, it's been 43 years. Oh, did I say I met him at, no, I was two when I met him. <laughs> what did I say? I, never mind. But it's been 42 years. You know what? I know him. I know he's good. Nobody's talking me out of it. Nobody's convincing me otherwise. Therefore, when I talk to people, I'm like, you know, I'm not shoving Jesus down people's throat. I'm not on airplanes going, you got to know God. It's, it's like this. You know, when they start talking to me and sharing their life, it's like I listen and I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know how I deal with that? And then I give them that truth and I find people receive it. Because if you are genuine and real and true and you know what you know, it's like having the cure to cancer. Would you keep it a secret? Of course you wouldn't. You would share it honestly and openly. And not because you're gaining something from it, because you're saving somebody from something that's going to kill them. Right? Amen. I just want to read. I'm going I'm to give Tom. You know, this is what I love about this church. You're down here. And there's a crowd forming. I'm in the front row, and there's a crowd forming around me. And I'm like, what's going on? And it's people, like, lining up with words and prophetic words and, and, and getting their time at the mic. And as a speaker, you're like, um, hello, people, but we're on the clock here. You know, we got we, it's. But I love that because everybody is bursting with life. I want to bring a word. I, I'm hearing from God. I want to share. So I, I love it, and I hate it. It's like, wait. 
Oh, no, go, wait, wait, you're taking my time. And it's worse for Tom because he's got to let me up here first. I think God's trying to teach you something, honey. I'm just saying. Anyways, listen, I want to say this. I'm just going to say this short thing about family. God places the lonely in families. People are out there looking for family, like I said it before. It's God's heart to bring those people into the family. This here is our living room. This is where we do life and family together. This is where we rejoice together. This is where we get a little crazy together sometimes. And it's okay because family is messy. And if you have a family, you know family gets messy. And that's all right too. People want to come into this family. But I want to say to these moms and dads that were up here with their newborns, and if it's your first child or your fourth child, or and I want to say to the moms and dads out there, if you've got you know, a five-year-old or a 35-year-old, God is in your family. And if your kids aren't serving God, or you worry and stress what will happen to them, will they find Jesus? Will they, what will be the destiny of their life? I want to say this to you. He loves those babies more than you do. And you're 35-year-old and you're 40-year-old that you, you pray and beg God, touch their heart. He hears your prayers. And if you were gone tomorrow, he would be on the case still. And he wouldn't give up on them. And, you know, people always say this to us. I, you know, when you have your first baby, how terrifying it is. And most of us have our babies when we're really young. I had my first one. My first one is 38 years old. Our first one is 38 years. <laughs> he was there. It's 38 years old now. Our baby is 35. And I remember thinking, and Tom and I both said, man, if they only came with a manual. Because I do not know what I'm doing. I had never held a baby until I held my own baby. I, and ours leaked. It was like Tom tried to return it to the hospital. He actually did. He took her in and said, this one leaks. And, they, and what was super awkward is they didn't laugh. I thought they were going to call Child Protective Services on us. Anyways, 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, here's the good news. Your child came with a manual, and it's called the Bible. It's the number one best-selling child-raising book in the world. And it's perfect and beautiful, and every scripture works for child-raising, not just the ones about raising your child. Every scripture works, that you treat your child, you love them, you prefer them, you honor them, that you uh, believe the best in them, that you don't keep a record of their wrongs because there's going to be a certain age where there's going to be a long record. Trust me, don't keep that record, okay? 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And let me read this one, 2 Peter 1, 3 through 4, and it says this, Everything that goes into a life pleasing God has been miraculously given to us by getting to know personally and intimately the one who invited us to God. The best invitation we ever received. We were also given absolutely terrific promises to pass on to you. Your tickets to participation in the life of God after you've turned your back on a corrupt world full of lust. I love that, people. This is why we bring people into the family of God, because life is hard. Raising kids is hard. Marriage is hard. It's hard. It's not a joke. But the Lord said, listen, I've given you something to follow. 
I've given you my word. I've placed my word in you. Everything you'll ever need in life, I have for you. And that is good and glorious news. Amen? Amen. Tom, stop sweating. Get up here. Hallelujah. It's been a great weekend. It's great to be with you guys. It really is an honor and a privilege to be with you. We, we are blessed. Like Simon said, we, um, yeah, that works out well for you guys, Simon said. But, uh, it's, like, you know, <clears throat> but uh, it, it's a great place to, to be. We're, we, we really do feel very attached to you. We're, we're, we're honored, again, that you've allowed us to come back. Uh, I want to share something different than we shared the first service. We'll kind of maybe visit it a little bit. But I want, to, want you to read with me in 2 Kings chapter 4, starting with verse uh, one, it says this, the wife of the man of the company of the prophets, um, a wife of the man from the company of prophets cried out to Elijah, your servant, my husband is dead. You know, he veered the Lord, but now his creditors are coming to take my two boys as their slaves. Elijah replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a small jar of olive oil. Elijah said, go around and ask your neighbors for empty jars. Don't just ask for a few. Would you say that with me? Don't just ask for a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour the oil into the jars. And as each is filled, put it to the one side. She left him, shut the door behind her. And each, as each jar was filled, she put it to one side. I'm sorry, I blew that there. Um, they brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her sons, bring me another jar. They replied, there's not one jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and said, go and sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what's left. All right, I want to point out something here. The quality of her obedience dictated the quality of her future, all right? There were no limitations to what was being said. There were even no guidelines except for one, don't get a few. True? And this is the situation. She was told to go and get them, and whatever she did, and we'll, we'll break this down a little bit, what, how many she got. It wasn't, you know, she had, you have one hour to collect all the jars you can, then go back into the room. It wasn't that. It was... Go and collect the jars. She could still be collecting jars if she wanted to. It was just go and get the jars. And when she got them, he said, now go into the house and you begin to do this. Guys, sometimes when the Lord speaks to us about places of deliverance, when he speaks to us about places of seeing the kingdom come, and Susie was touching on that, in the areas of people being born again, you know, we have a limited mentality and a restricted mentality of what the Lord's going to do and how he's going to do it and, you know, what we consider acceptable. You know, if we have a gathering like this, you know, oh, if five people came forward this morning to meet Jesus, to be like, whoa, cool, right? That would be fun. How many of you agree that would be a pretty good Sunday? Well, I'll tell you a better Sunday. As we began to worship, the power of the Lord filled the room. And people around the community began to hear and feel the presence of the Spirit. And they began to come from the pub to the grocery store, from the stores. All began to come in here saying, what's going on here? And they all got born again. Now, if I can think that, if I can imagine that, the Scripture says he can do 
exceedingly more than I can hope or imagine. That's pretty good imagination, but guess what? That means the Lord can do that. But what we want to do is begin to raise our level of expectancy, not just a few jars. We want a lot of jars. Now, you can imagine, you know, how many of you have come to church expecting to hear, hopefully not this morning, but to hear something radically life-changing from the Lord. You walk in, and then you get this sermon that's kind of like, oh, they're going to talk about tithing. Oh, bummer. You know, like this. And you, you get that word, and you kind of walk away going, oh, I just what I wanted, that kind of prophetic word. You know, get thee behind me, Simon. You know, that kind of thing, you know, <clears throat> right? Did, did I say that out loud? Oh, you know, uh, all right. But that's how that works. True? True? And so you can imagine when this woman comes to the famous prophet of God. Hey, I'm in big trouble. The creditors are coming to get my kids. You know, I didn't know that till I read this scripture. If I would have known it, we would have had a lot more kids. I mean, really, you know, run up the credit. Just give that one away. It's all right, you know, and this one's noisy. Take that one, you know, and it would have been great. We didn't know that, so that's that. All right, but in that, the prophet, that instead of giving her this dynamic word of, you know, today you're going to, at the end of the rainbow, you're going to have a pot of gold. You know, that's another story. But, you know, it's like, this is it. He said, here's what I want you to do. The word of the Lord for you is to go and get jars and don't get a few. How many of you would have been really excited about that word? It's like, oh, you are a punk. I cannot believe this. That's the word you gave me? The creditors are knocking on my door, and the word you give me is, you know, how much is this jar worth? Five cents? You know, come on. How many do I have to collect to pay off these debts, right? But she had a choice. Not a few. So she went around. And again, we don't know how many. So this is kind of a, a little bit of a, you know, faith story, because we don't know how it happened. So she gets her jars, she goes into the house with her boys, and she takes her jar, and remember, they're not glass, they're clay, and she begins to pour it out, and as she's pouring it in, she goes, well, there's a little bit more oil here than I thought. You know, just give me another jar, you know, and the boys are handing her jars. Well, for him, this thing is a lot deeper than it looks, you know, and she's pouring it out, and then now she's, give me another jar, you know, she's catching on here, right? And she's pouring jars, and she's got all this oil, all these jars filled with oil, right? And finally she says, give me another one, right? And he says, what? That's it, Mom. And what happens? Oil stops. So she goes back to the prophet. Okay, I got all this oil. He says, now I want you to sell it, and you can live. Pay your debts, and you can live on the proceeds. So if she got a lot of jars, she's the lady that owns the house up on the hill here. If not, she's the one standing on the corner with the guitar, with her guitar case open, right? <clears throat> right? There is a spiritual challenge for you and I, for where we at and where you are at as a congregation right now. The Lord's saying this, I want to pay off your debt. I want to meet all your needs, but I want you to collect jars. You know, and I think about this this morning as, you know, even as in between services that Lord just began this downloads to me. It's like this. Some of us need to collect jars of healing. Some of us need to collect jars of prophetic, miraculous. We need to collect jars of salvation. We need not to get a few, but to get a lot. I think the Lord wants to pour out his oil in such a way that there will be more in this house to pay off every debt and to have a future that is rich and full 
and satisfying to the needs of the future. I think that's a prophetic statement for you that the Lord wants to bring a release in this situation to break down stronghold. And it really is this. The quality of our obedience right here, right now, will dictate the quality of our future. And how many of you know that our nations are in desperate need for oil? We need to see that presence of the Holy Spirit like never before. One of the things we were talking about in the first service was this, were the areas where the, the ten virgins, you guys know the story? Okay, and they, they went to meet the bridegroom. This is in Matthew uh, chapter 25. They went, and they went there, and five were wise and five were foolish. Who, what did the five have that were wise? Oh, they brought oil. So they, they planned ahead. They had their jars, correct? And then the five that were foolish, what was wrong there? You know, they, they didn't plan ahead, did they? Why? Because, again, they, they, just like us, we have expectations of what the Lord's going to do. But, you know, our, our concept of what the Lord's going to do f- must fit within these columns, correct? You know, it, how many of you get mad at your cell phone when you can't get instant connection? You know, it's like, it's a, it, it only has to go to the moon and back, you know. But, you know, you go ahead, I can't believe it! You know, and you, know, you get mad at it, true? You know? Imagine if you had to send a telegraph, you know, you know those kind of things. So, but it's, if it doesn't happen absolutely instantaneously, we are distracted. We lose our focus. Now, in this situation, if you read that scripture in, in Matthew 25, it says this. They all gathered together, but it says this. But the bridegroom did not come when he was expected. So they got tired and went to sleep. All right? Now, it's, it's, not, it's not an indictment on them that they went to sleep. It's just that he didn't come when they were expecting. Now, sometimes, even in here, when we are expecting the Lord to heal, deliver, you know, whatever prophetic word has been spoken over us, and we expect God to do these miraculous things, and they don't happen instantaneously, right here, right now, we have a tendency to fall asleep. But what happened for these 10 girls when they were there, suddenly the watchman stands up and he goes, he's coming. They all woke up. Now remember, they were already ready for the party, right? They were prepared. So they all get up, they start to light their lamps and uh uh-oh, 10, 5 had what was necessary, 5 didn't. And guys, how many of you know, you think about it, what the Lord's spoken to you. How many of you know the Holy Spirit saying, we are about to enter into a time of release and power, and we're going to see reformation take place from one end of the globe to the other. How many of you already know that's true? Yeah. Only, oh, okay. I just, we need to teach on that. But it's like, it's just, you know, this, how many, we know that this is a season of awakening, don't we? Well, we need some oil. We need to make sure we have oil. You know, R.T. Kendall said the other night, we, uh, Les and I were with him, and, and he, he said this. He says, listen, we're about to see the greatest awakening. Talking about, again, the virgins waking up. We're about to see the greatest awakening since Pentecost. So it isn't the Lord coming back tomorrow. You know, it's not the rapture. You know, it is the great awakening of the bride. She needs to stand up and get ready to go to the party. And guys, listen, listen, 
The Lord's will is that none would perish, no, not one. His heart is poised towards the lost. And at this particular season, if we as the bride rise up, wake up, trim our lamps and get them lit, guess what? We're going to get to go into the banquet and we're going to bring a lot of people with us. And that's an important word for us. And so here it is. Because of who you are and what you are and what you carry... Go get your jars. Rise up. Begin to seek out what the Holy Spirit's saying about your life, about your calling, about your destiny. And I don't care if it's in creative arts. I don't care if it's in worship. I don't care if it's in practical things, in teaching things, whatever it may be. Like Susie was saying, the word encompasses quite a bit of stuff, right? Whatever that happens to be. Go and get your jars so that the oil of the Holy Spirit can be poured out upon you and it can be full. And when the time comes, we can liquidate it. We'll wait for a few weeks when the oil prices go back up, right? But we will liquidate it and we will have a storehouse that will not only pay our debt. Now, you understand what that's saying? In-house needs have to be met. True? So he said... Pay your debt. Pay off the stinking building so you can build a bigger one, right? Pay off all the other things so you can get more homeless shelters, that you can give away more money to the poor, that you can take care of the homeless. Let's pay off our debt right here. This is where God said, you're in Bedford. Pay off your debt. Own this city. A friend of mine, is a, he's a, he carries the office of prophet. And he says to me, he goes, he goes, one time when he speaks to leaders and, and pastors, he says, here's what I want to know. What are the crime statistics in your, in your city? What are the jail statistics in your city? What are the divorce rates, the abortion rates? I want to know that because I want to know if you're doing your job. Because if you're not making effect in your society, you're fired. <laughs> He's a prophet. Okay, so, you know. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? We need to be a difference in our community. We need to pay off our debt. We don't want to be threatened. We want to pay off our debt. And that means something. We have to give. We have to serve. We have to invest ourselves. We have to get up off our bums and go and collect jars. Now, what is a jar? It's the container of understanding, of saying this, Lord, use me, fill me. And I'm going to begin to use every resource that I have that you can pour into. Now, it can be this physical concept of, again, giving away your possessions or doing whatever that way. But I think also it's a spiritual understanding of making yourself willing to respond to the purposes of the Lord within our lives. And I think a lot of us put that limited ceiling that, well, you know, if we just get a couple of cups, that's great. If five people get born again, awesome. No, we want to begin to think greater than we can imagine. We want to see the manifest presence of Jesus. You know, if we can do it, then it's not much of a miracle. But if God can do it, the whole world goes, whoa, true? Why did the people press in on Jesus? Because he did something that nobody else could do. Whoa, that, that fish and bread trick's pretty good. Walking on water, I'm stoked. You know, hey, that's great. You know, blind eyes, woo, leprosy. Never seen that one before, right? True? And people pressed in on, hey, come see this guy. He's breaking the norm. He's changing the circumstances. He's pouring out oil, and all the needs are being met. 
Woo-woo! I want to see that guy. True? I don't want to go to a mediocre meeting. I want to go somewhere where the manifest presence of Jesus rules in the house. I'm thankful that here you have that opportunity because you have leaders that said, yeah. Are you really that excited? I'm just, I'm just wondering. Man, you're acting like Americans. I don't know. He's like, <laughs> yeah, thank you, thank you. We need to see something of, of, of substance. Don't you agree? We need to see something of value. I want to keep saying, bring up the next truck with jars. You know, if think about it, if everyone in this room, you took the commission, take that which God has spoken to you, take that which God is doing within you, and go and collect your jars, okay? Don't get a few. Imagine the filling station that we would have here. Just bring another jar, bring another jar, and you know what? Don't you think it is time that the world finally got a fair break? Don't you think it's fair that God gets a break? That just like he said, Jesus said, I'm sending you to represent God as I was sent to represent God. Come on. I want to see the manifest presence of Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. So that when we come together in a room like this and we begin to sense the presence of the Lord and we see that oil Woo, then he that would set the captives free would set them freed in their deeds, just like for you guys. All the hopes and all the dreams, and I, Monday's your anniversary, right? Yeah. You know, so like, man, you know, if you would have killed her, you'd been out by now. Okay, just let you know. <laughs> but here's how it works. The promises that God gave you on a better day, the things that you have hidden in your heart that have not yet been fulfilled, the Lord says, I want to manifest myself in this season of time, and you will not be left behind. This season is not over for you. It's just beginning, Zachariah and Elizabeth. You know, we need to understand that there is pregnancy in your future. Sorry. (laughs) But there is pregnancy in your future, and the child that you will birth through ministry and through creativity and through your usefulness and who you are and what you are and what God's deposited into you will declare and make straight the way of the Lord. That's what Jesus would do. And if we would allow the Lord to begin to do that and begin to touch us, he'd set the captives free. He would. You too. He'd set the captives free. He'd take away the depression. He'd take away the heartache. He'd take away the worry. He'd take away this, the wringing of the hands. He'd wipe it away that you could stand free and look at the future with a hope and not with intimidation or being intimidated and frightened of what could happen tomorrow. But the Holy Spirit would wash over you and light your fire. And when the enemy comes up against you, you go, stick it, man. I'm not listening to you. Because <laughs> you'll have living proof. The Lord's going to give you back your sleep, okay? Yeah, he is. Good night. Not, <laughs> give me another half hour. I, I, and then you're free to go. All right. But, you know, this is it. That the presence of the Lord is going to fill you up. Pay your debts. 
and you can live on the rest. Come, Holy Spirit. Do you understand that the presence of the Lord is something of value? And we have it, the answer. You know, like Susie said, the areas of if we had the cure to cancer, we got better than the cure to cancer. We have the cure to AIDS. We have the cure to depression. We have the cure to loneliness. We have the light. And the Holy Spirit would come and he would stir it up in each and every one of us. And again, the natural speaks to the invisible. You got five little babies. How about five-fold ministry being released to this church in a whole new fashion? How about there to be a stirring up of the Holy Spirit that would change the way we approach everything in life? That we know that, listen, we're thinking Jesus first. Because I know the oil's not going to stop as long as there's a jar in the house. True? Come, Holy Spirit. Set the captives free. Last service, Simon called up people who were in business and uh, felt like they were um, trying to, to be in church like they're being in business and being business like they're in church. In other words, no, no two-world existence. And I believe that what the Lord would speak over business people right here is the Lord's going to prosper you. Now listen carefully. He's not going to make you rich so you can be the grandest tiger in all the land. He's going to make you rich so that you can build the house of the kingdom of God. Now listen to me. If you will give and you'll give now, you will find that your business will prosper or they'll give you back the money. Okay? I believe that. I believe that if you invest yourself today into the kingdom of God with truth and faith, you will have such prosperity and such freedom and there will be such glory of the Lord that everyone in this house will be blessed by your investment. And that's not just for one businessman, somebody who's going to win the lottery or happens to be related to the queen. That isn't it. This is for every man and woman and child who's called, know they're called to make money. Anybody here doesn't like money? Because we can take an offering and give it off your hands right now. I mean, we can take care, you know. No, we need to prosper. And I believe the Lord has brought anointed people together, your jars. And the oil needs to be poured into you. And that needs to be poured out so that we'll see the kingdom. I just want to encourage you to take it before you and your spouse or you and your partners. Get together. Ponder this before the Lord. Seek the Lord and say, what can we do? What can we do to spend ourselves on the kingdom of God? There are plenty of needs. Listen, you look at all the stuff these guys are doing here. You look at the list of ministries that are going on. They can help you. But you can do this yourself in the areas of figuring out what the Lord would say to you and how to invest yourself. Same thing with the creative arts. Same thing with worship. Don't you just worship because it's convenient to worship using these instruments. Use these instruments. Worship here and worship in the streets. Worship in your neighborhood. I can see young moms coming to the Lord, young children coming to the Lord because you're investing yourselves into the streets. Come, Holy Spirit. I can see there to be a breakthrough greater than Pentecost. I believe that you will be one of the anchor churches that will see the manifest presence of Jesus. Let's prepare now. We don't want to run out of oil. Wake up! Here comes the bridegroom. I don't have enough oil. I woke you up there. Yeah, yeah. That would teach you one more. You know, we're, I'm almost done, I promise. 
Light the light. Come, Holy Spirit. And Lord, I ask that right now you would just come. Stir it up, O Lord. Stir it up, O Lord. Don't let us fall asleep. Don't let us forget our destiny and why we've come to the party. Light the fire. Rekindle within us. Remind us of that word. Show your power. Show your kingdom. And Lord, we stand now and we say, your kingdom come and your will be done in this house. We'll settle for nothing less but your best. Manifest yourself in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.